0: So, yeah, we're going to smash out two chapters. We're going to in chapter 27 of Proverbs. And I honestly, I don't think it might even go fairly quick. Who knows? We'll, we'll be led by the Spirit. Um, but uh, let me pray for us, you guys. God, I just, uh, I'm just so thankful every time I open this book of yours and I read these words, and i just um, thankful for the, the desire that I want to know what they mean and how to... Uh, Apply it to for your kingdom to be glorified, and for um, my life to change so that I can be used by you. And so I'm just thankful for that, God. And I pray that that would be in all of our hearts, Lord. That even as we read through maybe something like Proverbs, that um, maybe it doesn't have a story or a, something like that to um, a common story, maybe God. But just we would have the hearts we want to just read every word and hear every word. So we do that. We just let us read the words. And let us see it in our minds and understand it, God. And um, we're so thankful that we have above uh, average guitar player, Johnny, that could um, play through a broken string and finish strong. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, let's dive right into it, because like I said, we got two of these to do, two chapters. So, Proverbs 27, um, the title of this in, in my Bible, it says regulating various activities and you could add into that maybe avoiding foolishness which seems like that's um that's kind of the the book of proverbs jam is just avoiding foolishness but it's i feel like it's pretty down to earth and it's pretty like easy to not easy to read all uh, all of them but a lot of them is like don't be stupid. You know what I mean? Something like that. And so I appreciate that because I can understand a little bit. But let's let's jump into it and, and just see what God has for us, you guys. So in verse 1, it says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And real quick, you guys, I want to jump over to James. You can turn there if you want. But James chapter 4, and he talks about this same thing. And... It was a good word for my family because it as like all of you guys, the we get into busyness and we get into kids doing this and work doing that and we live here and they live there and blah 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 blah. Man we get to really stressing out about these kinds of things. And we get to sometimes even thinking like, Well I gotta I gotta handle, I'm gonna do this tomorrow and I'm gonna do this the next day and and um I know exactly what I'm going to do. And let's read what James says about that. In um, chapter 4 verse 13 he says, Come now you, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? This is this is the part right here. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, "If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that." Amen. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So there's, you know, there's a couple things there of boasting in what we think we got a handle on and what we're going to do and how we're going to accomplish it and get it all done. And the reality is, we, can, we need to kind of just relax a little bit and just rest in the fact that every breath is a gift. And at any moment, that could be our last. We're not, not one person here is getting younger. We're all, we're all heading towards one direction or another, but it is definitely death on this earth. So it's just good encouragement there. Let's skip, or let's go to verse two. It says, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. You know, it's just pretty easy to read and understand it. We don't have to dig into that too much, but it's, it's just something that we're gonna see throughout all of this and throughout all of Scripture is humility. And man, we don't need to we don't need to tell everybody how good we are at this or at that. Like God gives us gifts to and abilities, and we just need to give him the praise. And if somebody else wants to say good job, great. That's fine, but there's no reason for us to be boasting about it because all it's doing is pointing a finger at ourselves instead of to God. Verse three says, A stone is a heavy A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. I don't know about you guys, but throughout my days, even out towards Palina by myself, I find myself having arguments that never happened. And I start these fights and these arguments, and of course I win every single one of them. And the funny thing is, though, is um, it usually turns to Joe's wrath. I'm really telling somebody what for or this or that. And the other part of it is it, it gets really heavy and it doesn't quit. Next thing you know, it's lunchtime. You're still having the fight in your head and you're still going on and you don't feel any better. And the next thing you know, it's, you know, five o'clock and you're still doing it. And it's just the wrath is terrible and it's heavy and it weighs us down and it's not helpful. And it, it doesn't draw us closer to the Lord or use us to set an example. It, it kind of keeps us going down a track where we're. Constantly grumpy and mad and fighting and wanting um, to say mean things and it all contradicts God's word and so it is heavy like a stone and weighty like sand and it's hard to shake so we need to remember that we need to um, just run to the Lord when we're doing those things and say Lord give me a heart where I just, I love this person I don't want to fight with them Lord give me a, give me a heart where I just want to love them Let's skip, uh, no, no, let's do four. Uh, verse four. And sorry, guys, like I said, I'm going to try to just smash through these. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? When I read this, I kind of was hanging more on the first one. And the first few times I read it, it didn't really strike me very hard till I started um, uh, reading some commentaries and stuff. But this is a good one. Wrath is cruel and anger is a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? You guys, the problem, huge problem with jealousy is it defies reason. And if you've ever been jealous about anything, you understand what I'm saying. Pretty soon you're not having reasonable thoughts. Now this could be jealousy with your wife or your girlfriend, and if you've experienced that, which I have, like you're not rationally thinking. Okay, but let's take it farther than that, where this jealousy doesn't just land with those kinds of things. Think about, you know, it was motivated. Let me say, am I saying that right? Yeah, it was uh, motivated religious leaders that arranged the death of Jesus. And why did they do that? They didn't like that he was getting traction and people were following him, following Jesus, realizing truth, and they were leaving them. So like they didn't like it. And what was it? It was jealousy to the point of, trying to get somebody killed I say try because yes they did but it was also God's plan I don't want to give them the credit let's skip verse 5 and let's go to 6 faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful you know that doesn't always feel good does it faithful are the wounds from a friend you know that's the wounds of a friend is when someone's coming to talk to you and say, Hey, I just want to get your attention here. Maybe biblical sound um, wisdom of what you're doing. Man, it doesn't sound very good. It doesn't look very good. Maybe, maybe you need to check your heart on that. And a lot of times that would you know, frustrate us because we don't like being rebuked, be rebuked, especially by a friend. But God's word says here that it's it's for our good. And it's faithfulness. When our friends would do that, when they do it with With love and compassion. But the other side of that is the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Well, you know, the flip side is we want to listen to somebody that's just going to tell us what we want to hear all the time. Tell us, oh, you're a good person and you can, you just, you can do what you want and listen to your heart and your heart will steer you correctly. Yeah, you can, you can listen to that stuff or you can be one of those people that give that kind of advice and probably become a millionaire doing it. Because people, we want to hear it in our flesh, but God's word says it's the kisses of the enemy and it's deceitfulness when people don't speak truth into our lives. Verse seven: A satisfied soul loathes or tramples the honeycomb, but the hungry soul—I'm sorry—but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. This is a good one. If we look at um at verse twenty, which we'll end up getting there, but in ver- where it says here in verse seven, it says a satisfied soul trump- tramples the honeycomb, something that's good, right? And then, but to a, a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Okay, in verse twenty, it says hell and destruction, and again, we'll get back to this, but hell and destruction are ne- neither full. So the eyes of a man are never satisfied. So what it's saying here, back to verse seven, is when you're never full and you're never satisfied, because Christ isn't in your life and leading you, and you, your desire isn't Christ, you keep trying to jam things in your life that are not of Christ. So you have this Christ-sized shape hole in your heart, but it's if you don't put the what the shape is, which is Jesus, in there, you'll just you can put all kinds of stuff in there, and you'll never be full. And something that tastes as good as in sweet as honeycomb, you'll just trample it because you'll be on to the next thing. You're never full unless it's Christ. But it says that the hungry soul, ever bitter, every bitter thing is sweet. When you go back up to verse 6, what did it say? It said, faithful are the wounds of a friend. We get to a part where a hungry soul, we're hungry for Christ, we're hungry for truth, we're hungry for a life that is different than the life we've been living because it wasn't working out. Man, even the hard things, a friend coming up to you and saying, hey, that isn't good, or maybe just the conviction of the Lord, these hard things that the Lord says, hey, Joe, you have to change and quit living the way you're living. It actually becomes sweet. It actually becomes amazing and tastes good and you want more of it. Let's skip eight and go to nine. Ointment and perfume delight the heart. And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Biblical counsel. Biblical counsel feels great. It smells good. It tastes like a perfume you want more of. Let's skip 10. Skip 11. Let's go right to 12. So a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass, pass on and are punished. So a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. You guys, anticipating danger is a wise thing to do. Participating danger physically, mentally, and especially in our lives where we know we have some sin struggles. And we know some things that that trigger those things and what do you do well if you want wisdom from god's word it says here in verse 12 that you foresee the evil and you hide from it you stay away from it because you clearly can't handle it i'm going to read to you some commentary on that that part and um, a guy by the name pool explained why jealousy is worse oh i'm sorry wrong one i already missed that one simple here we go uh so those who are naive and untrained in wisdom are blind to the potential danger around them. They will eventually bear the bad consequence of their blindness and be punished. The verse is a motivation for the naive to be trained. For life will be far less painful for them if they knew how to avoid life's dangers. It says the simple rush blindfolded into hell. The ox has to be driven to destruction, but the sinner plunges into this into plunges into it in spite of every effort of restraining him. Let's skip thirteen. Let's go to fourteen. You know, you guys. Every time I uh, I go back to Eastern Oregon, I try to leave really early, and I'm usually come get through town and headed out through primal here about like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning and i just love stopping by adam barney's house and just uh walking in there like i own the place don't even knock just open the door and walk in because i know that guy loves to sleep and so i know he's really not up that early and i go in there and you can hear it's funny because you can hear every time you hear lauren adam somebody's here and i'm just standing there in the kitchen and he comes out all Who's going? On? You know, like he doesn't know if he should be coming out, like looking around the corner, or just come barreling out there. I'm um, standing. there. He's like, "What are you doing? This is ridiculous." So, in verse 14, let's look at it. I always thought I was doing a good thing, but I don't think so. If <laughs> we read the word, it says, "Verse 14: He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning." It will be counted a curse to him. I've only oh done God. it twice, so you know. I have not repented of it. I'm just kidding. me. Um, no, you guys, what that's talking about is um, it's talking about timing. It's talking about uh, you know knowing the audience, knowing knowing your room when you're when you wanna speak into somebody's life. It's also talking about <clears throat> flattery for manipulation you know, flattering somebody cause you want something a certain way when it's not truly you're loving them and don't go wake up at him first thing in the morning. Uh, let's skip down to verse 17 as iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We've all heard that. Those of us that have, you know, been through the Bible much at all, or maybe, maybe haven't been through it much here. Iron sharpens iron. it's a really neat, uh, verse and it's it's a really you know like something you can really picture it takes iron to sharpen something else so something hard to sharpen something else to make it hard and sharp and exact and um but at the end of the day you guys it can be used in several different ways of ministry and the the reality is and this is what i want you guys to hear in this verse 17 is the bottom line is we need each other we need each other we need church we need fellowship church doesn't save us we know that but man we need the fellowship and we need to be plugged in and we need to be learning and and our friends speaking into our lives and our friends need us to speak into their lives that's what that means at the end of the day we need each other that's it that's the truth that's god's plan and his design so whoever keeps verse sorry verse 18 whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit so he who waits on his master will be honored you know a worker is worthy of his pay. It says that elsewhere in the Bible, and it says it right here. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat of its fruits, and whoever waits on his master will be honored. You guys, we're called to work. I think Paul says somewhere. I think don't call me on this. It says somewhere if you don't eat you, or if you don't work, you don't eat. But it's also speaking of like working for God's kingdom. And we need to understand when we're talking about this, we're talking about God is talking about, you know, we are just diligent to do his work and then he'll reward us. However, he knows we need it. That's how it will happen. He just is encouraging us to be diligent for him and wait for him. Don't be impatient. Verse 19, as it, as in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. This was very, very convicting to me. I love to joke around constantly. As most of my friends would probably say, too much. And I, I lived a, you know, a wicked, nasty, terrible life prior to Jesus saving me. And some of that joking and some of that stuff is funny. You think it's funny? And I'm not. This I'm just talking about Joe here. So I'm not putting on you guys, but I. The part of what you're saying and what you're joking about, John and I talk about it a lot. Like, wow, well, we'll probably need to tone it down. That's you know, we're getting out of control, and it's leading us probably into just conversations we shouldn't have, or what, or laughing about things we shouldn't laugh about. But I love this because what it says here: when you're looking into the water, and the, your face reflects your face, like a perfect glass of water that is not being disturbed, you see yourself, and you see the true image. And you see the things you say and the things you do are going to be revealed. So, you should ask ourselves when we're talking about things we shouldn't talk about or joking about what's not really isn't that funny is, man, Lord, is that what's really in my heart? I know I love you. This is this is what my conviction was this week. Reading this, I, Lord, I know I love you and I, and I, I want to live for you and I want to set an example for you. But man, I I'm really realizing if this stuff's coming out of my mouth, what's in my heart, Lord? Like I need to check that and I need your help checking it, Lord. I need my friends to help me check that and hold me accountable in that. Verse twenty. You guys I love this kind of a verse because of because of the wicked life I lived. The worst of the worst, I you know, it's just the way it was. And because the Lord changed me and brought me 180 degrees the other way, my bent on talking about the gospel, and it is the gospel, is these kinds of of verses like this. Because, I was talking to Perry about it in in Palina Church last week, the week before, and it's because, it's my bent because I know where God has taken me from and taken me out of. And it's only God could do it. It's incredible. And it says, And I'll tell you what, too, since being into ministry, and I'm not in ministry full time. I'm not trying to say I'm something that I'm not. I'm just saying I have been in some experience with ministry where you get to deal with, you know, your fellow Christians and their junk. And I'm not forgetting my junk, but you get to see their junk. And here's the thing, you guys, the verse like this is so true and so real, and it's helpful to remember it. And it says in verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full. Ever. So the eyes of a man are never satisfied. You guys, Satan never sits at this supper table and gets so full he pushes back for a few minutes and takes a break before he comes back in. You get what I'm saying? He doesn't quit. He never says, Ooh, huh, that one was too far. Heesh. Never. Ever, ever, ever. And so you see it. You see it in in everything. Brent Fulbright, my neighbor, was helping me the other day, and we were. He was talking about this cop show that he was watching or something, and and he said uh, some domestic dispute, and the, it was actually the wife was going crazy on the on the husband, and the husband just kind of held her down and you know like to quit, and then she left. Called the cops, mm-hmm. cop show, blah blah, and. They haul her off, and as she's getting hauled off from the car, the cop car, the, the husband runs out there and says, hey, be gentle on him, on her, um, she just found our, our son of two months ago killed himself. And so you see, like, there's just never, there's never too much, there's never too far, there's never too, Satan doesn't care, he's never full. He never pushes away from the dinner table. Ever. I love those kinds of verses, like I said, because I saw it in my life and I've, I've seen it all the way up to today. And it's helpful to not be surprised by it, but to understand it. And then maybe back to that verse where you want to be able to run from the, the garbage that's starting to creep into your life. Let's go down to verse 22. It says... Though you grind a fool in a in a mortar and with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. We can see some. Um, I mean, that's all talking about the the foolishness side of it. But like, I, I instantly thought of this contrast: wisdom, foolishness; pride, humility; victim, ownership. Am I a victim? It's okay that I'm doing all these things. I'm living like this. Am I just owning up to my garbage and asking the Lord to help me through it? Because a foolish man, my point to that is, a foolish man doesn't do the contrast. As it says here, this he continues to be foolish no matter what. Solomon uses a, a very um, ex- very serious oh, idea or visual by saying grinding this guy up and putting him through all this stuff, along with crushed grain, and his foolishness doesn't depart from him. The last part of this chapter, you guys, I'm going to um, I'm going to read 23 through 27, and then we'll look at it. it. Says, being diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of the field. You shall have enough goats' milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. The start of that verse 23 is said, be diligent. So it's saying be diligent and take care of the basic things in life. Be diligent and take care of the foundational things of trusting and following the Lord and being diligent at work and taking care of your family and taking care of your friends and your and your church body. Do the basic things and then with this biblical lens. And you don't have to be anxious about the rest of the stuff. The Lord helps you with that when you're diligent with the basic things of God. You can trust in Him, and you can rest with it. You know, it doesn't do any good to, just for an example, like I know a guy that's always complaining about, you know, like, oh, I'm not making it with my work and this and that, but at the same time, he's not very diligent. So, take care of the basic things. Take care of your business. And trust the Lord with this, and do it with this biblical lens. And like you said, in all this, the the rest, the last, what is it, five verses of this, it pretty much is just saying God will take care of everything that needs needed to be taken care of. Sweet, we're on to twenty eight already. What do you think about that, Chris? <laughs> okay, verse twenty or chapter twenty eight. Let's jump into it. It says. The wicked flee when no no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. You know, I think when I, I'm thinking about that, I'm just thinking of, you know, like when you're doing something and you're feeling guilty, sometimes you kind of talk too much and tell tell on yourself that you're doing something guilty, that you're wrong. You know, like someone's running drugs or something and they get a flat tire and the cop pulls up, doesn't say a word, and the guy the guy just like kind of, is guilty like oh I'm doing this, uh, this and that and pretty much tells on himself right like but if you didn't do anything wrong you, you can stand there just strong and bold and like, I'm just fixing a tire dude like there's nothing wrong I heard a pastor say one time and I love it and I'll never forget it when you uh, if you don't lie you don't have to remember what you said if you don't lie you don't have to remember what you said because you can stand there boldly And know, like a lion, that you're righteous in whatever it is. Verse 2. Because of the transgressions of the land, many are its princes. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's skip that one. Verse 3. A poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain which leaves no food. No sympathy. Think about that. A poor man that oppresses the poor. So this person knows what it's like to be poor, but has no sympathy. And they're all about, people like that are all about blaming and taking everybody down with them. Scary place to be. There's no love in that. Let's jump down to verse 5. It says, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. You guys, we have to understand that God is just, like it's His makeup. He's a just God you know evil men or even all of us sitting here we can we can act just and we can be just at times but we're never if we believe the bible and we read the bible we understand that we're not just only god is and that's a good thing so that we have a we have a superhero that we want who want to to save us but god is just lost my father yeah so but those who seek the Lord, we as we seek the Lord, we understand that. It says, better is the poor who walks in the integrity than the one perverse in his ways through his rich. Oh, my goodness. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he is rich. It's a, it's a pretty easy one. I think we understand, but I think it's an easy one to remember integrity and not having the things of the world is always a better place to be verse 7 whoever keeps the law is a discerning son but a companion of gluttons shames his father man i want to be i want to be a son to god that he says man you're good job son you've discerned life well i don't want to be a part of the group that I used to be and like we've talked about in these other passages these other verses where you just can't get enough you're never going to get enough because you have a God shaped hole in your heart that you're trying to put everything in there but God let's jump down to verse 10 whoever causes the upright to go astray is an is an evil way go astray in an evil way he himself will fall into his own pit but the blameless will inherit good. You guys, that's a very serious statement on how serious God takes stumbling somebody. Stumbling someone, like you know they have a problem drinking and you go hand them some alcohol. You know they have a a problem with whatever and you go and wave it in front of their face. That's pretty serious. God says whoever causes, causes the upright... To go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit. We need to love people well enough not to stumble them, even if it's something that doesn't stumble us. Verse 11. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor man who has understanding searches him out. I'm going to read a little commentary to you where it says... The poor man with wisdom stands above the rich man man with a fool's pride, that a wise poor man may examine the rich man, not the other way around. We're moving on to verse 13. I hope I'm not losing you guys just machine gunning through this. Um, Verse 13, it says, He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes him will have mercy. This one is huge. And it's huge in my life. And I'll tell you what, guys. I am so blessed that I've got a wife that is my best friend. Because I get the New Testament tells us to confess our sins to God's people and that that person is my wife and and you it can be kind of sticky maybe to some people because you think well man some of this stuff i I don't want to tell my wife because i'm going to get the worst of it from my wife if i go tell a buddy he's going to say oh yeah i know what you're talking about you know lovingly and not 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 say it's okay but they're going to say something along the lines like yeah man you need to repent and and that's a bummer but like some some things that you have to say to your wife you're like oh this ain't gonna be good but i tell you what and The Bible says to confess it, right? To confess your sins. Don't hide it. But I'm just saying, Joe's talking here, that, man, what a blessing. My best friend, the person I do that with, is my wife. The person that probably most of the time should whip on me the hardest. And you guys, the reason why it's so amazing is because I get to truly see God's grace and mercy in those times. Because every time I've been faithful in doing that god has been faithful in changing her heart and mind to show me mercy and grace when i don't deserve it so what you see what i'm trying to get at is that's the that's a tangible thing that i get to feel and see that jesus does for us every day it's amazing what's the saying like uh health like scorn woman health have no fury or whatever like if you know my wife like oh boy but i'll tell you what it's it's nothing's too big for the Lord and I'm just so blessed and on to, for what it says the farther it says more it says on to 14 um, where it says happy is a man who is always reverent but he who hardens his heart um, will fall into calamity that's not what I was thinking anyways it brings like my marriage prospers because of that and that's in the image of God God's, God's design when I'm just obedient to do it to confess my sin. I'm going to read, see some really good stuff, you guys, because if you think about it, this topic right here, this started from the very beginning in Adam and Eve, with Adam and Eve when they sinned and they tried to run and hide their sin, hide from, from God when God came walking through the garden in the cool of the day. Like you can hide from God, right? But they did, they tried. We try to. I try to. So since Adam and Eve, <clears throat> human's instinct leads us to cover our sins, I hope I have you guys' attention right now because I know this is all of us. Our conscience makes us ashamed of our sin and we don't want others to see it. We even think we can hide it from God. Yet this natural instinct to cover sin doesn't benefit us. It prevents us from being real about our condition before God. If I go into the doctor and tell him that, you know, my finger hurts when really my leg does. How's he gonna? How's he gonna help me? How's he gonna get? It? I mean, God's different, that right? He knows, but I'm just saying. if I'm not confessing it to God. I'm not confessing it to my brothers. How are they gonna know where to start helping me? Charles Spurgeon describes some of the many ways men attempt to cover their sin. All of them in vain. Some of these ways is excuses and justification. Ooh. Man, we're pretty crafty when it comes to figuring out how to get around our our junk, aren't we? Making reasons for it. Secrecy, lies. Courtney and I had this conversation last night and just talking about lies and talking about how half truths, half lies, like, it's all lies. It's all. The half truth, lies, it's all lies. You're not hiding anything. Schemes to evade responsibility, time, tears, ceremonies, sacraments. He who covers his sins. That's what it said in that verse. And it says, out of his sinful pride, he pretends before God and people that he has no need to confess. Boy, if if any of us are at that point where we don't need to confess anything, we better go on and get to heaven. All right, let's move on. Verse 15. 15 and 16 it says like a roaring lion and a charging bear is a wicked ruler over poor people. A ruler who lacks understanding is great is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. You guys wouldn't this be nice if our country's leaders were on the latter part of this? See, the problem is, and not just our country, I'm not whipping on America, we have an amazing country. You name it, wherever. It's these people that are thinking about self and self-power and not leading the countries biblically. Like, this is what we should be praying for. I need to be praying for this way more. Because they think about our rights and all the stuff that we're upset with, all the rules and more and more and more rules. They come at us like a roaring lion and a charging bear to rule over people, over poor people. But he who hates covetousness, it says at the end, will prolong his days. Man, that would be amazing if we had rulers of these countries that did not covet things of the world and just wanted to lead people to to God. Verse 17, a man burdened with bloodshed will flee into a pit. Let no one help him. You know, you guys, as you walk through this one and you deal with people walking through this idea, be led by the Lord for sure. But, man, oftentimes the best thing for people is to let them lay in the bed they made. It was for me. And I know several of you, it was for you too. Because just getting helped out and bailed out never got me to a point where I had to look up and say, okay, I'm at the bottom, so now I need something that's going to help me. So sometimes, like I said, be led by the Lord, because we need to love people well too. Sometimes it's best, best to not help them, it says right there. Verse 18, whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fail. I think we've hammered on that one. We get it. Verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Patience, you guys. Patience in the Lord is everything. And I am talking to myself on that one. Verse 23. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterwards. Than he who flatters with his tongue. We talked about that a little earlier. Um, we need to trust God's design and how we love one another. And sometimes it's tough love. But we need to trust it all the way. Someone hates you the rest of your life because you said something they didn't like, but it was it was something it was biblical, you gotta trust it. Verse 25. He who is of proud heart stirs up strife but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. Man, if we don't understand how we need to hate our pride after this series of Proverbs in the Park, get plugged in more. We'll get it figured out. Okay, I'm going to close with verse 27 and it's really awesome cuz it finishes with the great old Robin Hood story where you get to steal from the poor or steal from the rich and give to the poor. It says it right there in verse 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Now there's nothing about stealing in there, but you guys generous hearts is what the Lord wants us to have. And it doesn't have to be with money or food. Maybe it's with our time. Maybe it's with, um, I mean, it could be anything really, but just having a generous heart and just not putting self first. Not getting, but giving. That is what God says wealth is. God will not bless self-serving things but he does bless having a, a generous heart for the poor and the needy. We're going to close right there. You guys, I'm going to pray for us. Thank you for uh, waiting through two chapters of Proverbs. Lord God, I just thank you so much for this evening. I thank you um, for just that the wisdom in your word, Lord. Lord, just one thing. All the things we read tonight, whatever it is, would you would you just give us hearts and minds that, that are pliable and soft and ready humble to, to be renewed and to know new things and to change our lives. Even if we got a lot of this stuff down and we're doing okay at it, humbly okay at it, God, keep keep working on us, keep sharpening us, keep keep us together as a family, Lord. I want to be involved more, God. I want to deny myself more. I want all of us, all of your body, to have that idea, Lord, that we can be a well-oiled machine out there doing your work, helping bring people to you so you can save them, Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.